ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so last time then we began with the section Iradatul Insani Bi'amalihi dunya When a person intends by his actions some worldly gain. A person intends by his actions some worldly benefit or worldly gain. We mentioned last time, Iradatul Insani Bi'amalihi Dunya Naw'un Min Anwa'i Shirk Finniyati Wal Qasd A person intending or desiring some worldly gain or benefit through his actions is considered a type from the types of shirk in your intentions and objectives. وَقَدْ حَذَّرَ اللَّهُ مِنْهُ فِي كِتَابِهِ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has warned against it in his book. وَحَذَّرَ مِنْهُ رَسُولُهُ فِي سُنَّتِهِ And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has warned against it in his sunnah. وَهُوَ أَنْ يُرِيدَ الْإِنسَانُ بِالْعَمَلِ الَّذِي يُبْتَغَ بِهِ وَجْهُ اللَّهِ مَطْمَعًا مِنْ مَطَامِعِ الدُّنْيَا that a person desires by his action which should be an action that is supposed to be done sincerely for Allah. He does that action desiring via it some worldly benefit and some worldly gain. So this is shirk which opposes and detracts from the perfection of your Tawheed. Shaykh Al-Fawzan later on mentions then, some of this we did last time, but later on then, قَالَ الشَّيْخْ مُحَمَّدِ بِنْ عَبْدِ الْوَهَّابِ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهِ ذُكِرَ عَنِ السَّلَفِ فِي مَعْنَ الْآيَةِ أَنْوَاعِ مِمَّا يَفْعَلُهُ النَّاسِ that the Salaf they mentioned regarding the ayah, the ayah regarding the one who desires the worldly life and its bliss, then we will give that to him and they will not be left short on that. Regarding the ones who desire the worldly life and the worldly gain, the Salaf they said regarding it. فَمِنْ ذَلِكَ From that الْعَمَلُ الصَّالِحِ الَّذِي يَفْعَلُهُ كَثِيرٌ مِنَ النَّاسِ اِبْتِغَاءَ وَجْهِ اللَّهِ مِنْ صَدَقَةٍ وَصَلَاةٍ وَصِلَةٍ وَإِحْسَانٍ إِلَى النَّاسِ وَتَرْكِ ظُلْمٍ وَنَحْوِ ذَلِكَ مِمَّا يَفْعَلُهُ الْإِنسَانِ أَوْ يَتْرُكُهُ خَالِصًا لِلَّهِ لكنه لا يريد ثوابه في الآخرة 
إنما يريد أن يجازيه الله بحفظ ماله وتميته أو حفظ أهله وعياله أو إدامة النعمة عليهم ولا همة له في طلب الجنة والهرب من النار فهذا يعطى ثواب عمله في الدنيا وليس له في الآخرة نصيب وهذا النوع ذكره ابن عباس This issue of somebody doing righteous actions but his intention behind them is some worldly benefit the Salaf they mentioned an example of that is what many of the people they do from righteous actions the righteous actions that people do seeking by the face of Allah like giving charity prayer keeping the ties of kinship goodness towards people leaving oppression many of the things that are done from the righteous actions or other affairs that are left all sincerely for the sake of Allah there are all these types of actions that exist to be done sincerely for the sake of Allah but there are people who do them not thinking about the reward for these actions in the afterlife there are people who do these righteous actions not thinking about the reward for them in the afterlife though rather they want that Allah gives them their reward their recompense upon those righteous actions now by Allah preserving their wealth or increasing their wealth or the guardianship or protection of their family and children or that the blessings they are in right now continue for them and he has no energy or striving in seeking after paradise or fleeing from the fire so those types of people they are given their reward for those righteous actions now in this world then they are given what they are given in this world now then and they do not have any share of it in the afterlife and that is something that Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma mentioned those who do these righteous actions charity prayer ties of kinship goodness to people leaving oppression and other than that sincerely for the sake of Allah but they are not thinking about the reward in the afterlife they are doing this with their thoughts fixated upon the world right now guardianship for themselves and their family and their wealth and increase in it and the blessings to continue for them now that's what they are thinking about so for those individuals they are given what they are given now and there is no share in the afterlife النوعثاني, the second type the second type is greater than the first type and it is scarier 
than the first type. It is something of greater fear within it. The second is that, as Mujahid mentioned, another one of the Salaf who gave tafsir of the Qur'an, he mentioned regarding the ayah about those who want the pleasures of the worldly life, that it is about those who do the righteous actions, but with an intention of only showing off. They do righteous actions with an intention of showing off, not because they are seeking the reward of the afterlife. They are not seeking the reward of the afterlife, but they are doing their actions in showing off only. And that is, of course, worse than the first category. The first category wasn't necessarily showing off at all. It was simply desiring the benefits of the world now from their righteous actions and not thinking about the afterlife. In this category, it is the showing off that they are doing the actions for the praise of the people. The third category regarding those who want the bliss of this world أَنْ يَعْمَلَ أَعْمَالًا صَالِحَةً That a person does righteous actions. A person does righteous actions. يَقْصُدُ بِهَا مَالًا And they intend by their righteous actions wealth. It is money that drives them to those righteous actions. For example, a person who does Hajj because of some money that he will receive. You sometimes hear about Hajj Badal, whereby you go and perform Hajj on behalf of someone and that someone will cover your costs pay for you to go and do hajj on their behalf. Maybe somebody who is disabled or somebody who is incapable of traveling and going impossible with their health or whatever it might be. So a badal is done and the person is given the compensation in wealth, in finances to cover him doing hajj. So maybe a person goes and does that hajj purely to take that money he's going to be given. Maybe he'll make something out of it. So he goes and does hajj for that reason, for the reason of the money. Aw yuhajir. Or another example, somebody makes hijrah. Hijrah, a great act of worship. To abandon the lands of kufr. To leave the lands of kufr and to go to the lands of Islam to preserve your religion. Maybe somebody makes hijrah. But it's not for the preservation of religion. Rather, they've gone chasing after wealth. Maybe they've been given a good job with a huge salary. 
it's in a Muslim country, it happens to be, so they are moving there for that purpose. They wouldn't have gone otherwise. They are going for the money. So what looks like a hijrah they are making to a Muslim land is really only because of the money. So maybe a person makes hijrah to a Muslim land, but it's only because of the money behind it. The, the wealth, the wages, the job. Or maybe it is due to a woman that he wishes to marry. That's his purpose for going to another land and making the hijrah. Or يُجَاهِدْ لِأَجْلِ الْمَغْنَمْ Or maybe a person does jihad, great act of worship, but only does it for the war booty, so that he can benefit and gain from the war booty. Wealth, doing that action for the wealth that he'll achieve from it. فَقَدْ ذَكَرَ هَذَا النَّوْعِ أَيْضًا فِي تَفْسِيرِ الْآيَةِ وَكَمَا يَتَعَلَّمُ الرَّجُلُ لِأَجْلِ مَدْرَسَةِ أَهْلِهِ أَوْ مَكْسَبُهُمْ أَوْ رِئَاسَتُهُمْ أَوْ يَتَعَلَّمَ الْقُرْآنَ وَيُوَاظِبْ عَلَى الصَّلَاةِ لِأَجْلِ وَظِيفَةِ الْمَسْجِدِ كَمَا هُوَ وَاقِعَ كَثِيرًا Similarly, maybe uh, a person who learns and studies for the sake of setting up that education for his family or to make some income from it or to be given status over them or that he learns Quran or that he is constant upon his prayer due to his job in the mosque. To be given payment to do the job, for example, an imam. An imam is given payment to do the job, to come and open up, to lead the prayers, to be there regularly. An imam is given a payment, that is something usual. But if the imam is only coming into the mosque and praying his five prayers every day purely because it's a job for the sake of the job to get the money and to get his salary that if he wasn't the imam anymore you wouldn't see him praying five times a day in the mosque anymore he wouldn't be bothered with the jama'ah and coming and being in the jama'ah nothing if he's only there primarily with the money in mind and the salary and the wage it's a job the way he thinks of it then that's a mistake. The imam who comes and leads the prayers and opens up the masjid, all of this is within the act of worship. The salary you are being given on the side, that's a secondary thing. Because of course it is needed, you cannot expect somebody to come and put all of their time, all of their day, separate times of the day, to come and open up, close up, teach the kids, lead the prayers. They have no time to go get a job. So you give them something to cover them. They don't need to go get another job. They can do those duties in the mosque and you cover them with their wages. That's okay, allowed. But the person should not be thinking of his role as a job, as a, as a, a wage that he's taking for the job. He's there leading the prayers as an act of worship. Worship for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
coming and opening up the masjid, all of these things, this is worship. So the person, if he prioritizes his wealth as his objective from it, then that's the mistake. A person who doesn't, it's not about that. The wealth is a secondary thing which comes because obviously it is something which is a necessity. And the scholars have mentioned that too. A person, now take an example at the University of Medina. The mashayikh, the scholars, scholars who teach at the university, are they not given a wage? Of course. Other teachers who teach there are given a wage to come and teach like this. They're given a wage to do it. But they aren't doing it for the wage. They aren't doing it for the salary. They aren't doing it for the money. The money is a separate thing on the side. Because if you expect now a lecturer to come and spend 20 hours a week lecturing, another 20 hours a week maybe preparing exams and marking it, his whole, it's, a, it's like the full-time job we talk about now. 30, 40 hours every week gone into that. You can't say to them, do all that for the sake of Allah. Maybe a person can. But the one who cannot, because if he spends 30, 40 hours doing all of that, when is he supposed to go and get another job to earn? You expect him to do 20 hours of lectures a week, 20 hours of preparation, exams, homeworks, assignments, 40 hours a week you want from him and you tell him, we're not going to pay you for it though. Find another job on top of this 40 hours a week, whatever other hours you've got left, go get a job and then when are you going to see your family even? How can a person be expected to do that? You cannot expect a person to do that. So now they are paid because that's, that's the way it's going to work. You can't say to a teacher, come and teach full time in the university, lecturer, everything, all your time here, but without any pay. They are paid so that they don't need to go and look for other jobs. They don't need to try and do another job on the side to be able to come and teach for free at the university. They are covered. We cover you for your time and everything, just teach. And that's permissible, completely good, nothing wrong with that. Completely allowed. But the person who comes and teaches should not be teaching for the salary, should not be teaching for the money. That is a secondary thing. You are coming and teaching the knowledge, Quran, Sunnah, different topics, subjects. You're teaching that for the sake of Allah. You're teaching the students the religion of Islam. And then because you doing that takes all of your time up and you have no opportunity to go and earn any other job, then they cover you for it and give you a salary. Okay, good. Done. Nothing wrong with that. That does not mean that you extend those types of examples to what happens with the likes of Al-Maghrib and these institutes where they set up weekend events, a hundred pounds a ticket, and then you're going to go into this big concert hall uh, or this big type of hall that they hire, hundred pounds a ticket, two hundred pounds a ticket, and then uh, paying their, their attending speakers maybe hundreds, thousands for that weekend, first class seats, five thousand pounds a seat on the aeroplane. Some of them, they don't fly unless it's first class. Some of these so-called speakers, some of these ikhwanis and their likes, some of these celebrities who have become celebrities now, not because of their knowledge. Their knowledge, it is known what their knowledge is. Standard, average, nothing special. But it is now their fame, such that 
if you want to invite them, they will say, okay, I'll come. First class seat though. I don't fly unless it's first class. Get me a first class seat, I'll come and attend your conference. That's the kind of thing that happens amongst them now. That is the kind of thing which exists amongst them. And even if it be uh, that you invite somebody and you ask them, can you stay behind to do one extra lecture? You've invited them for the weekend to run some course. And then you ask them, we've extended our booking on the Sunday. Can we finish off at 8 p.m. instead of the 6 p.m. we had planned? They'll say, okay, but that will be an extra 400 then. I'll stay, I'll do an extra lecture, but that'll be an extra 400 please. This is not the way. This is what they have invented for themselves now. Taking money off the people and selling tickets for events and conferences. And uh, 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 these weekend courses. And buy your tickets and come and enter and all this type of thing. They are making that into a business. That is nothing like this. The one who teaches and puts all of his time into the teaching. And the scholars have said, of course, it is allowed. A person now comes 40 hours a week teaching, for example. And it's allowed for the institute, for the university to say, we'll cover you salary then. Because clearly you cannot be expected to come and spend all of your week here teaching, lecturing, assignments, homework, exams. And then we expect you to go get another job somewhere else too. Clearly that doesn't work. So the one who puts their time into that, purely, exclusively into that teaching, into all of that uh, effort, then it's allowed for the university and whoever it is to pay them. But the point here is, the point here is a person doesn't do that for the pay. You don't come and teach as a lecturer because of your pay. I've seen in my own eyes, one of the lecturers, normally obviously they'll pay them in some other way, but on one occasion, whatever happened, they had to come and pay uh, one of the lecturers physically in an envelope with a, a check or whatever, whatever it was. So then a person came in and that's, it was clear, no, nobody said this is your pay, this is your salary, but it was clear what was going on. So they came in with the envelope for this particular lecturer, unknown, one of the mashayikh of Medina. They came and gave it to him in the lecture, this envelope, he got it, threw it there and carried on with the lecture. No care for that. That isn't the purpose why he's there. That isn't the reason why he's there. That paycheck isn't his goal or objective. He's there teaching. Teaching the religion of Allah. So the priorities have to be correct. Here it mentions the one who perhaps learns the Quran or is consistent with his prayer and these types of things purely because of a job role that he's in. And that's a mistake. You should be doing these types of things because they are acts of worship. The compensation they give you for your time or whatever afterwards, that's a secondary thing. That a person does the worship of Allah sincerely for Allah alone, without any partners, sincerely, with ikhlas. Nasara, 
ابتغاء وجه الله والدار الآخرة ومثل كثير من هذه الأمة الذين فيهم كفر أو شرك يخرجهم من الإسلام بالكلية إذا أطاعوا الله طاعة خالصة يريدون بها ثواب الله في الدار الآخرة لكنهم على أعمال تخرجهم من الإسلام وتمنع قبول أعمالهم فهذا النوع أيضا قد ذكر في هذه الآية عن أنس بن مالك وغيره وكان السلف يخافون منها The fourth category, the ones who do righteous and sincere actions, righteous and sincere actions, but they also end up doing other actions that dictate their kufr, dictate that they are disbelievers. For example, the Jews and the Christians worship Allah, give in charity, fast sincerely for the sake of Allah and the afterlife, but they have shirk in their beliefs and in their aqaid and in their actions. And many people like this, they may do things uh, which exit them from Islam even though they may be doing worship and obedience sincerely to Allah. They may be doing worship and obedience sincerely to Allah, but then they end up doing other actions which are kufr and exit them from the fold of Islam. فالأمر خطير يوجب على المسلم الحذر من أن يطلب بعمل الآخرة طمع الدنيا. So it's a very severe affair that a person, a Muslim, should be warned and precautious regarding this affair of seeking worldly benefits and gains from actions that are actions for the afterlife. Worship and obedience and actions which are for the afterlife you're doing them, that a person does them seeking worldly benefits now, then that is a severe and dangerous affair. وَقَدْ جَاءَ فِي صَحِيحِ الْبُخَارِ أَنَّ مَنْ كَانَ قَصْدُهُ الدُّنْيَا يَجْرِي وَرَاءَهَا بِكُلِّ هَمِّهِ أنه يصير عبدا لها. It's mentioned in Sahih al-Bukhari that a person who chases after the worldly affairs, chases after the worldly affairs, his objectives, his goals are worldly benefits and gains and he strives with his full energy and concerted effort behind those worldly gains and benefits, that he becomes a servant to them. He becomes a servant to these worldly benefits and gains that he is seeking after. Becomes a servant to them, a slave to them, in chasing after those worldly benefits. And there's the famous narration, Ta'isa Abdul Dinar. And then Abdul Dirham, Abdul Khamisa, Abdul Khamila. In Uratiya Radiya, or in Lam Yurata Sahita, Ta'isa wa Takasa, wa either Shika Falan Takasha. 
the narration where it mentions about how the one who chases after the dinar, the dirham, and the various other affairs from the luxuries of this world, the one who chases after those affairs will not be given fulfillment. When he's given something of it, he is happy and content. And when he's not given something, then he becomes angered and agitated at that. So his affair becomes twisted upon him, twisted upon him. That even though he's seeking for those affairs, the reality of seeking for those affairs ends up as badness upon him, ends up as evil upon him, twists around upon him. And the meaning of ta'isa sakata, that he falls, falls in chase of these affairs, meaning destroys himself, destroys himself chasing after the dirham, the dinar, chasing after the gold, the silver, and the affairs of this world. وَقَدَّعَ الرَّسُولُ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمْ فِي هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ عَلَى مَنْ جَعَلَ الدُّنْيَا قَصْدُهُ قَصْدَهُ وَهَمَّهُ بِالْتِعَاسَةِ وَالْإِنْتِكَاسَةِ وَإِصَابَتُهُ بِالْعَجْزِ عَنْ إِنْتِقَاشِ الشَّوْكِ مِنْ جَسَدِهِ وَلَا بُدَّ أَنْ يَجِدَ أَثَرَ هَذِهِ الدَّعْوَاتِ كُلُّ مَنْ اتَّصَفَ بِهَذِهِ الصِّفَةِ الذَّمِيمَةِ فَيَقَعُ فِيمَا يَضُرُّهُ فِي دُنْيَاهُ وَآخِرَتِهِ so in this narration, the messenger has made a dua against those who are striving after the worldly benefits and destroying themselves, placing all of their effort in chasing after the wealth, the gold, the silver, the worldly benefits, destroying themselves. They have the dua of the Prophet ﷺ upon them. Then he quotes the statement of Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, the end of which he says, وَهَكَذَا طَالِبُ الْمَالِ فَإِنَّ ذَلِكَ يَسْتَعْبِدُهُ وَيَسْتَرِقُهُ وَهَذِهِ الْأُمُورِ نَوْعَانِ That the one who seeks after the wealth, then he becomes a slave to that wealth and is stolen by that wealth under the control of what he is seeking firstly minha ma yahtaju al-abdu kama yahtaju ila ta'amihi wa sharabihi wa mankahihi wa maskanihi wa nahu dhalik fahada yatlubu min Allah in terms of seeking after wealth there is an amount which is required an amount which is required for example, for the, the food that you eat and the drink that you drink and for marriage and for a home, there is a level of wealth that is required. So you ask of that from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So then, وَيَرْغَبُ إِلَيْهِ فِيهِ فَيَكُونُ الْمَالِ عِنْدَهُ يَسْتَعْمِلُهُ فِي حَاجَتِهِ بِمَنْزِلَةِ حِمَارِهِ الَّذِي يَرْكَبُهُ وَبَسَاطُهُ الَّذِي يَجْلِسُ عَلَيْهِ مِنْ غَيْرِ أَنْ يَسْتَعْبِدَهُ فَيَكُونُ هَلُوعًا So that type of person who goes after that level of wealth to fulfill actual needs, 
So take the wealth that fulfills your actual needs. Then that is like somebody who has a donkey. And they ride upon the donkey for the necessity of the need to ride upon the donkey. Or they have a carpet that they sit upon for the necessity of sitting upon. But that does not have them chained to those affairs. They are not enslaved by the donkey or by the carpet. But they use what they need to use and they take what they need to take without becoming enslaved to the donkey or to the carpet. So they take what they need from the wealth without becoming enslaved to that wealth. But the second category here, مِنْهَا مَا لَا يَحْتَاجُ إِلَيْهِ الْعَبْدِ فَهَذَا يَنْبَغِي أَنْ لَا يُعَلِّقَ قَلْبَهُ بِهِ The second type is the wealth that you don't actually need. Surplus to your needs. Then this type it is befitting that a servant does not attach his heart to فَإِذَا عَلَّقَ قَلْبَهُ صَارَ مُسْتَعْبِدًا لَهُ If he attaches his heart to that extra and surplus wealth, then he becomes enslaved by it. وَرُبَّمَا صَارَ مُسْتَعْبِدًا وَمُعْتَمِدًا عَلَىٰ غَيْرِ اللَّهِ And maybe he becomes enslaved and dependent upon other than Allah. فَلَا يَبْقَى مَعَهُ حَقِيقَةُ الْعُبُودِيَّ لِلَّهِ وَلَا حَقِيقَةُ التَّوَكُّلِ عَلَيْهِ So then the person may end up in a situation where he does not have the reality of worship left for Allah. He is now become attached, so attached to the wealth and chasing after it and the surplus that his worship to Allah suffers as a consequence and his dependence and trust ends up in these other affairs that will help him in that wealth and gaining of it. And that's the narration that was mentioned before. Regarding the one who chases after the wealth, the gold and the silver. Al-Shaykh Al-Fawzan says, قُلْتُ وَمِنَ عَبِيدِ الْمَالِ الْيَوْمِ أَلَّذِينَ يُقَدِّمُونَ أَوْ يَقْدُمُونَ عَلَى الْمُعَامَلَاتِ الْمُحَرَّمَةِ وَالْمَكَاسِبِ الْخَبِيثَةِ بِدَافِعِ حُبِّ الْمَادَّةِ That from those people who are enslaved by wealth, An example of them today are those who go ahead and get involved in haram interactions, haram dealings, haram income, pushed forth by the love for wealth. Many people these days, because of their desire for wealth, they go ahead and get involved in illegal uh, dealings, in haram interactions, Haram forms of income because of their love for wealth. الَّذِينَ يَتَعَامَلُونَ بِالْرِبَى مَعِ الْبُنُوكِ وَغَيْرِهَا For example, those who are involved in interest from the banks. Those who are involved in interest from the banks. Taking interest from them being involved in contracts of interest with them. وَالَّذِينَ يَأْخُذُونَ الْمَالَ عَنْ طَرِيقِ الرِّشْوَةِ وَالْقِمَارِ وَعَنْ طَرِيقِ الْغِشْ فِي الْمَعَامَلَاتِ وَالْفُجُورِ فِي الْمُخَاصَمَاتِ 
وهم يعلمون أن هذه مكاسب محرمة and also for example those who gain their wealth through bribery bribery and forms of gambling and deceit and cheat cheating and deceiting and lying in their dealings and in their interactions and being uh, deceitful in their contracts and in their statements and in their agreements and they know that this income they are taking as a consequence is haram they know this income is haram لكن حبهم للمال أعمى بصائرهم but their love for wealth has blinded them their love for wealth has blinded them وجعلهم عبيدا لها and therefore has made them slaves to it, to the wealth. فَصَارُوا يَطْلُبُونَهَا مِنْ أَيِّ طَرِيقٍ So they begin to seek it from whatever means. Whatever the means available, they try to then seek out that wealth, even if it is haram, the means that they are seeking from. So that is regarding doing righteous actions but seeking by them worldly gains and worldly benefits. That is a form of minership. Then the fourth category here now. مَسَبَّةُ الدَّهْرِ وَنَحْوِهِ Cursing time and that which is similar to it. مَسَبَّةُ الدَّهْرِ Cursing time وَمِنَ الْأَشْيَاءِ الَّتِي يَرْتَكِبُهَا بَعْضُ النَّاسِ بِحُكْمِ الْعَادَةِ وَهِيَ مِمَّا يَنْقُصُ التَّوْحِيدِ أَيْضًا وَيُسِئُ إِلَى الْعَقِيدَةِ مَسَبَّةُ الدَّهْرِ وَمَسَبَّةُ الْرِّيحِ وَمَا أَشْبَهَ ذَلِكَ مِنْ إِسْنَادِ الذَّمْبِ إلى المخلوقات فيما ليس لها فيه تصرف فيكون هذا الذم في الحقيقة موجها إلى الله سبحانه لأنه الخالق المتصرف From the affairs that the people end up doing in a habitual way like a habit they fall into these affairs or even under the justification of it being a habit, something which is normal to them and a habit to them and customary to them, they fall into certain affairs and these affairs detract from their tawheed. They cause deficiency in their tawheed and they are bad for their aqeedah. They are badness in their aqeedah. From them is cursing time and cursing the wind cursing time and cursing the wind and that which is similar to this meaning i.e. cursing things in creation because of something which has happened then the reality is these affairs that you are cursing cursing the wind because it's caused you problems Cursing time, cursing other affairs in creation, 
The reality is you are cursing or your curse, it is essentially directed beyond them to Allah. Because Allah is the one who created those creations. They do not have any control themselves over anything. The wind or time, they are not the ones who cause you the harm or cause you any issue. They are creations. Allah is the creator of them. So by you cursing them, in essence, it is as though you are cursing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in reality. قال الله تعالى عن المشركين الله said regarding the polytheists وقالوا ما هي إلا حياتنا الدنيا نموت ونحيا وما يهلكنا إلا الدهر وما لهم بذلك من علم إنهم إلا يظنون that they say it is nothing other than our worldly life. We die and we live and nothing kills us except time. <coughs> nothing destroys us, kills us except time. Time goes by, we get old and we die. Nothing destroys us other than time, they said. But Allah mentions وَمَا لَهُمْ بِذَلِكَ مِنْ عِلْمٍ They do not have any knowledge regarding that. إِنْهُمْ إِلَّا يَظُنُّونَ They are only upon their uh, suspicions. They are only upon their suspicions of things. And they do not know the reality of those affairs. And similarly, by saying this, they have rejected the resurrection. They have rejected the resurrection. Because when they say, مَا هِيَ إِلَّا حَيَاتُنَا الدُّنْيَا It is nothing other than this worldly life of ours. Meaning they were rejecting that there is any resurrection. That they will be resurrected before Allah. They said, no, it's nothing other than this life. Just this life. We live and we die and we become dust in the ground. So they rejected the resurrection. نَمُوتُ وَنَحْيَا أَيْ يَمُوتُ قَوْمُ وَيَعِيشُ آخَرُونَ That we die and we live. Meaning we will die and then after us other people come and they live. And then they die and then other people come and they live. Just live and die into the ground and that's it. That's what they would say some of the mushrikun. The uh, mushrikun, na'am, they would say that it, there is no uh, resurrection and that we simply live and die. وَهَذَا مِنْهُمْ إِنْكَارٌ لِوُجُودِ الْخَالِقِ الْمُتَصَرِّفِ وَرَدْ جَرَيَانُ الْحَوَادِثِ إِلَى الطَّبِيعَةِ So by saying this, in reality they are rejecting the existence of the Creator. They are rejecting the existence of the Creator in reality by saying that. And they are attributing all of the affairs to this phrase people have, Mother Nature. That they claim all of this is just the nature, how things happen in the world. We live, people born, people die into the ground, rot away. It's all just the cycle of life. It's all just the nature and how things occur. So they would attribute it to that rather than attributing it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala.
وَلِهَذَا قَالُوا مَا يُهْلِكُنَا إِلَّا الدَّهْرِ And that's why they said nothing destroys us except time. اَيْ لَا يُفْنِينَا إِلَّا مُرُورِ الْلِيَالِ وَالْأَيَّامِ that nothing brings us to an end except the passing of days and nights. Days and nights, time goes by, it passes by, we get old and eventually we die. فَنَسَبُوا الْإِهْلَاكِ إِلَى الدَّهْرِ عَلَى سَبِيلِ الذَّمِّ لَهُ So they attributed death to time upon uh, or in a manner of criticizing it but time it destroys us time it kills us speaking ill of time that time destroys us and kills us and brings death upon us but they only said this statement of theirs upon ignorance and guesswork not upon knowledge or evidence or proof because the proofs rebuke refute this statement and invalidate it and that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rebuked and refuted their statement that nothing destroys us except time وَمَا لَهُمْ بِذَٰلِكَ مِنْ عِلْمٍ They do not have any knowledge regarding that. إِنْ هُمْ إِلَّا يَظُنُّونَ They are only upon guesswork, upon suspicion. That is all that they have. They do not know in reality. وَكُلُّ قَوْلٍ لَا يَنْبَنِي عَلَىٰ عِلْمٍ وَبُرْهَانٍ فَهُوَ قَوْلٌ بَاطِلٌ مَرْدُودٌ And every statement that is not built upon knowledge and proof, then it is a false statement that is rejected. وَالْبَرَاهِينَ تَدُلُّ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ مَا يَجْرِي فِي الْكَوْنِ لَا بُدَّ لَهُ مِنْ مُدَبِّرٍ حَكِيمٍ قَادِرٍ And everything, the proofs, all of the proofs, they indicate to you that which occurs in this creation. All of the proofs, they show you that everything which occurs in this creation, it must have somebody controlling it upon wisdom and ability. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is of course Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَكُلُّ مَنْ سَبَّ الدَّهْرِ وَنَسَبَ إِلَيْهِ شَيْءٍ مِنَ الْحَوَادِثِ فَقَدْ شَارَكَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ وَالدَّهْرِيَّةِ فِي هَذَا الْوَصْفِ الذَّمِيمِ وَإِنْ لَمْ يُشَارِكْهُمْ فِي أَصْلِ الْإِعْتِقَادِ So everybody now who curses the time and attributes to it certain affairs and occurrences then he has participated with the mushrikeen and the dahriya, those who claim there is only time that destroys us, in this uh, dispraiseworthy characteristic. In this dispraiseworthy characteristic. And even if that person isn't upon the same aqidah as them, then by cursing time, he has 
shared a common ground with them in this curse of time which essentially is therefore returning back to Allah. That's what they did and that's what this person has done. Cursing time and attributing to it that which is not from it. Rather Allah is the one who decrees the affairs. وَفِي الصَّحِيحَيْنِ وَغَيْرِهِمَا عَنَبِ هُرَيْرَةَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال الله تعالى يؤذين ابن آدم يسب الدهر وأنا الدهر أقلب الليل والنهار وفي رواية لا تسب الدهر فإن الله هو الدهر إن حديث وجسنا البخاري مسلم another than that from Abu Huraira رضي الله عنه he said that the messenger said that Allah said the sons of Adam harm me by cursing time and I am time. I change the night and the day. In another narration, do not curse time for indeed Allah, He is the time. Meaning Allah is the one who creates that and decrees everything which occurs within it. And at the beginning there, they harm me, does not mean in terms of actual harm to Allah, but it means that they are speaking in a manner of evil against Allah by criticizing time and by associating the evil affairs or whatever affairs and occurrences to time. Uh, and of course, Allah is the one who created that time and decreed those affairs. That's where we'll stop today then. Any questions on that or anything related? Hmm? It is incorrect, impermissible that people they complain about the weather and they say bad things about the weather or about certain days or times. It's not permissible to make statements out of displeasure and say that was a, that was a black day. That was a black weak people make these kinds of statements and they mention them in arabic as well to show their displeasure at what happened that day what happened that week impermissible that is a curse of time that is cursing time to have that type of displeasure and to speak ill of a day or a week or a certain time with words of evil so it is impermissible and the same with the weather to speak bad about the wind and what it's done or maybe some damage has occurred to speak bad about the wind and bad about the weather it is impermissible a person doesn't do that we have du'as that you read at the times of storm or high winds or rain etc that's what you do not curse or abuse so the muslim needs to be careful with those kinds of things hmm. So truly haram, impermissible. Impermissible, haram. The touch wood thing. That's from the suspicions and superstitions. Haram. Hmm? Hmm? Yeah, fingers crossed. All this stuff is impermissible. Fingers crossed. That's like good luck to you and fingers crossed. Suspicion, superstition, haram. A Muslim does not do these types of things. Fingers crossed it will be okay. 
It is not fingers crossed it will be okay. It is insha'Allah it will be okay. Not fingers crossed and all this type of thing. It's impermissible. You have to be careful with those things. Anything else? It's not a term that should be used because most people will not understand it. Most people, the way they talk about luck in these places, in the languages, it's not about, they're not trying to tell you, put your tawakkul in Allah and inshallah Allah make it good for you. They don't mean that when they say good luck to you. When they say good luck here, they're talking about fingers crossed, good luck and hope, all that kind of thing. So it's not a type of statement that you should make common. There are certain statements, even though in of themselves they may not be incorrect. But because of the usage and the way they are spread and the connotations they have, it's better not to use those. Okay, impermissible. Cursing anybody, impermissible. Parents cursing children, impermissible. Cursing somebody isn't permissible. The only times those have been mentioned are regarding kuffar, etc. But that's a different thing. Between Muslims, parents to children, anything is all impermissible. Haram. You also mentioned that children shouldn't make curses, anyway. Absolutely. Both sides. So both sides. Both sides. Children have to obey the parents. In, obey the parents. in fact, it's a major sin. A major sin to disobey the parents. It's in fact often mentioned in the Quran as the second highest right after the first right, which is the right of Allah. The right of Allah and then the right of the parents. Major sin. Mentioned in the book of Al-Kaba'ir, Kitab Al-Kaba'ir, as a major sin. The one who speaks ill and curses or does anything wrong against his parents, that type of language against your parents, major sin. Major sin to speak like this about your parents. Doesn't matter. So what? You're not going to abuse them or curse them. It depends what you, which right you're talking about. Worldly rights and things, it, doesn't matter. it depends what the actual right is. If it is a right of Islam, whereby it's a sin if you don't do it, then you don't obey your parents. But other worldly rights, if your parents tell you, no, don't do that, then you, you listen. You, 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 uh, you, you let drop. Drop that right. Drop that right and obey your parents then. Now that depends on the reasonings. The scholars, they say, if a father disapproves of a woman for his son, disapproves of his son to marry a woman for no legitimate reason, there is no legitimate reason at all, then the issue is open for more discussion and debate. Because if the father keeps rejecting uh, appropriate suitors for no Islamic legitimate reason at all, Purely because he says no, but this person, he's uh, makes up whatever reasons, none of them Islamic reasons. No Islamic reason to deny these people at all and continues along that way. Then in that extreme circumstance, you have a situation where other things can be done. But generally, generally before you get to the extreme situation, generally if your father says, I don't particularly want you to marry from, like they have these days, the traditions and the cultures, we rather want you to marry in our race. For example, there's nothing wrong with that. Is it haram for you to marry in your race? 
it's haram to marry uh, uh, if you're Somali to marry Somali if you're Pakistani to marry Pakistani it's haram to do that it's not haram who told you it's haram to do that it's like the people they think it's haram to do that do it if your parents want you to do that then go and search for a good Salafi person from your race good Alhamdulillah. then your parents are happy everybody's happy it's no problem it's like some of the people they think it's a sunnah sunnah I need to go marry somebody who's a different race if your parents and your culture, your traditions, all these things they have, it doesn't go against Islam. If your parents say, we would like you to marry somebody from our race, for example. Does that go against Islam? If you find somebody from your race who is Salafi, practicing, religious, all the conditions are there. Then good, alhamdulillah, no contradiction to anything. It's a double benefit from the same race, your parents are happy, and all of the characteristics that you look for in somebody to marry or within this person good but the only thing is in the extreme situation if a father continues to refuse for no legitimate Islamic reason continues and continues and continues then uh, the situation can be looked at and the wilaya can be changed etc no. no it can but that kind of situation it's not an easy situation everybody just takes it into their own hands for that type of situation, it's an extreme situation. And you would go to the people of authority, to the people of knowledge, before making a decision like that. It's not like anybody, brother, sister, let's just forget the father. You don't do that type of thing. For that level of extreme situation, go to the imam, go to the people of knowledge, go to the students, and have something organized and looked at and spoken about before any decision like that is made. But to be clear, the No, not at all. Find a good salafi from your race, what's the problem? Look for a, a Salafi from your race. Look for somebody who's upon the Sunnah from your race. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I, it's like people are making an issue when an issue doesn't exist. The Ahlul Sunnah exists amongst the different races. Alhamdulillah. If it's going to be uh, something which your parents are happier with because of language and other things like that, then no problem. Just try and find somebody who's upon the Sunnah from your race. No. You should approach the wali of the girl not to make contact with females yourself and have conversations and do all types of things through the wali of the girl, not direct contact. Mm. All right, we'll stop on that for today then. We'll carry on next week with the next section, inshallah, approximately the same time, 6.45 p.m., inshallah.